Welcome to the Truth to Power Show in Radio Free Brooklyn, in a special airing and potluck dinner slot. Today is Friday, February 19th, 7 p.m., and we're here with writer uh, Colt Malson. Welcome, Colt. Oh, thanks, VJ. It's good to, good to be here. It's, um, it's, uh, I'm glad I finally be on the show after you've had this show for two, three years now. So. Yeah, yeah. We started the show in 2017. Uh, I did uh, pre-records for a long time. And then we went live in like Labor Day of 2018, I think. And then 18 to 19 to, um, to the coronavirus, we were going live in the studio. But now, uh, given the quarantine and the social distancing, we've been going uh, live from home. So we're broadcasting from home uh, over the Radio Free Brooklyn Network. So welcome. Great, great to have you on. Uh, why don't we start a little bit about your writing and start the conversation off. Like about, you know, because creative people were always trying to, you know, make the hustle, the creative hustle, as well as express ourselves and, and connect with our emotions, connect with our process. So tell us a little bit about what's your process, how, how your creative process works and wh what your view on creativity is. And we'll discuss that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that it's uh, I've kind of gone through phases where I'm write a lot then I don't write some, but. I found it's helpful to, to have really a, a routine-based uh, goals and to do it most days. And um, right now I have two projects going on. I have a fiction project, this novel idea I've worked on since 2013. And now I'm kind of merging two of those versions and um, editing it. And you know, so that's, that's pretty good. And it's kind of like an adventure story. I think that when I was a, a kid, I kind of liked Star Wars, Goonies, you know, um, Indiana Jones, those type of movies. So I, I kind of, with fiction, I'm trying to want to write a fun kind of genre book that's kind of an adventure, but dystopian too, so there's social issues. Um, for my nonfiction project, I'm doing it 2021. I'm just writing down every night. I'm taking time to, to write out my thoughts and memories and kind of in a continuing narrative. So um, if I'm able to do that every day this year, then I'll have a lot of stuff to kind of figure out what to focus on later as I type it up. And um, the good thing about having a pen name, like Colt Mallison, is uh, that will force me to take those memories and fictionalize them and kind of improve on them. And it can be, kind of be a, based on a true story, but not all true. So that, that's kind of a, that, that's my two projects right now. Yeah, many people will do in the memoir writing, they'll do the technique of using themselves in the third person like they're like kind of lo looking at their own, and not even the technique of actually the form but also the, the technique the mental technique of looking at their own life a little objectively a little bit kind of from a distance and then kind of being able to manipulate uh the facts in a way that's appropriate or in a way that's fictionalizing it so that then you're kind of presenting a story that's inspired by real events so many writers have done that as i'm sure you're aware you know i've like kind of uh taking liberties with their life story so that then they're able to create a distance and that helps with psychological processes as well, like processing these events and understanding the events within larger contexts, would you say? Yeah, it's been a, a, a fun thing to do every night because I, I kind of think of memories and then as I write, more memories come up. So it's kind of, mm. it's, you know, it's kind of, I think I can't, I will be able to, to do it for the full year and, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's, 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 it's been good. It's been a productive 
few years. I so guess. let's dive into some of these memories then. What, what are some of the memories that, what are some of the pivotal life experiences or memories that come up for you as being like really defining moments in your life and like really like kind of like, um, we could just pick one and then we can go and go from there. Okay, well, I guess uh, when I started out, I wanted to write about when I worked at a bookstore from like 2000 to 2004 before I became a librarian. And um, that was that was interesting. It kind of went a different direction than I thought I was going to go writing. But um, yeah, I kind of I had mental illness, and I had three episodes in my teens, uh, 17, 18, and 20. And after college, those few years at the bookstore, I kind of I feel like I finally recovered, and I kind of um, I feel like I kind of excelled in some ways during that time. So it was you know just kind of an exciting time, and also. Yeah, it was amazing, just kind of working part-time and going to library school part-time. And um, I still had tons of time to do all these things. And now with full-time work, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's definitely history at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, like, um, having had my own experience with mental diagnoses uh, in college, it's like, you know, you go to college, you're kind of, you know, supposedly uh, the second uh, coming of age or this, you know, first like we go through puberty and then we go through this kind of leaving of leaving a home going on to the world. Um, and then, you know, we have these experiences that really define us as people. And for me, at least as well, that I had the mental wellness challenges and, um, understanding how that fits into the larger picture, how that can drive you to be like more ambitious and more productive because these things like kind of like, there's such a stigma attached to it that we want to kind of push ourselves more. Um, but as you're saying, I think that writing about these memories kind of help you process your personal growth in context of the larger picture that these diagnoses are not defining you, but rather, you know, I think that's for myself as well. They're not defining you, but they're just one part of the bigger picture. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's um, yeah, I, I do think that the episodes I had, though, the recovery process takes a long time because people, yeah think that once you're back, you're fine. And um, yeah, so I, I plan to write about my 2016 year. And that was my last episode and really kind of more mania based. And we'll see how, how that goes. Yeah. And this past year as well has been such a challenge. And I think that's been a year for you to uh, perhaps a year for you to really consolidate and make breakthroughs in these kind of pre previous uh, experiences, prior experiences. So you're able to, you know, kind of dig deep and be like, you know, find that resolve to, to start this project. Yeah. Yeah. The, the COVID, the, the, when COVID first started in, in March of last year, it's almost a year now. Um, I got sick, like a cold congestion. I had to take antibiotics, but I thought I had it like three times between mm. March and, and last fall. And I was worried about my mental health, but I, I actually kind of, up my meds for the first time in a, in a year and um you know with my psychiatrist advice and um but i do think that the whole pandemic is really might be good for for mental health where like the sort of loneliness and isolation that you feel um when you have an episode because you know you can't really communicate well in an episode and people don't you know it's i do think that people can now relate more to sort of isolation that the people with mental illness have. Yeah, there's definitely a community feeling of like, you know, support and, um, you know, and many people 
experienced uh, more people, more people in the general public, you know, experienced kind of some of these, you know, reflective ideas, you know, reflecting on their own process, forcing them to stay at home and kind of really think about their life, think about their process, think about what uh, reflecting on the nature of even our society as a whole. You know, we're trying to think about, you know, how yeah. we're operating and how we're going into it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So thinking about um, uh, how it's also like, you know, obviously, you know, kind of the emergence of this identity of Colt Malison kind of as a pen name and as a as a as a kind of a um, a project, if you will. Um, how this kind of puts you to be more creative, you know. You also have many artwork on your website, a lot of artwork on your website, visual art in addition to writing. You talk a little bit how how you got into write, uh, artistic work as well. Uh, well, growing up, both my sisters were, were artists, and um, I kind of didn't want to do it because they, they were into it. So I, I kind of, um, you know, I kind of, but then I guess I kind of liked doodling and drawing, and then once in high school, once you try to sort of, mixed the, the colors of oil painting. I couldn't do it, it was hard, so I, I just kind of stopped. But um, I recently started, and those drawings on my website are from my, my journal I kept in 2020 that I filled up most of a journal in 2020. So that kind of was kind of a preamble to my project now. And, um, and yeah, so, so the whole Colton Allison thing, it's, it's it came about where my, my name is way too common. It uh, has a common last name, a common first name. And, you know, so on social media tags, like my name's taken up and um, it's hard for me, people to find me on Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, I got the URL last year because I kind of came up with the idea, kind of a play on my name with my middle name, and my first and last name. And it just kind of seemed like a neat neat name and you know it is kind of almost like a romance author's you know pen name but yeah. it's uh but it's it's a unique name and i got the the url and i actually quit social media in like november of last year and i was like oh man I, i'm gonna pay squarespace for this website so you know I, I need to grab up the social media handles too so i rejoined facebook instagram and twitter and i got the the name there so yeah, I think we all have this love-hate relationship with social media. It's like on the one hand, it's like it's it's a way to promote, it's a way to get out there, meet new people, and network with people. But the other hand, it's like such a drain. I think on our psyches, you know, kind of looking at well, what is your relationship with social media, and how do you, well, how do you process it? I well, I moved around a little bit, like as a, you know, growing up, and you know, from moving from Ohio to New York in two thousand four. So I really kind of liked having the contact from people I didn't know before, uh, I mean, that I didn't have before Facebook started. Um, but then, you know, that's for a reason I kept it for a while, but then, especially with election this, this past year and the politics and the misinformation on there, I just kind of hated Facebook and social media because of, you know, they, they, they just let, you know, they didn't have any type of journalistic standards or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I rejoined just to get the handles for the, the, the website and, um, it, those algorithms work. I see in the people, you know, I see a ton of people that I know, but I, I'm just slowly building it back yeah. up. I'm not, I'm not clicking on everyone I see, you know, to, to be friends with, but, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. So my project is kind of like, I'm, I'm a writing project with my 
fiction and nonfiction. I'm probably like a year out before I have those where I can either self-publish or send them to publishers or, or agents. So in that time, I hope to build up slowly the, the, the social media presence of, of my writing. So I may have to try to submit stories to, to, for publication and, and really try, try to work more. But um, yeah, a funny story about social. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just say a funny thing about social media is in my 2016 episode, that that was all over face. I would post so much on there, um, and I actually started a a blog at that time called Skater Librarian, and I I, I felt it was like gambling to to do their advertisements. I just kind of like was like pressing buttons, and I just kept putting my card on it and just sort of like. I don't know what I was doing, but I got like 3,000 likes on that in like a month. Yeah. But I don't think it works that well that, uh, as it used to, because I think now when people see like this, they're kind of like, what is this? I don't think, I think it's, it's changed where it's not as easy just to <laughs> build up, a, you know, followers and numbers and likes as it used to be. I think it's changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely the um, kind of aspects of social media like all these uh, pressure on getting followings and all that and, and have influencing and all that is definitely, there's some negative connotations to that. But at the same time, it's like when we have connections with people, even when we have like personal connections with people that we knew a long time ago, it's like sometimes we get to know that actually they're like on a different political spectrum than we are. And it's like, can be uncomfortable, you know, it can be uncomfortable to find out that people you knew back in the day it's like so are saying these ridiculous things or saying things you disagree with and then it's like oh you know i don't want to you know get in these awkward conversations but you know definitely there's some detriment to like there's some like um you know and then we have these uh, rhythms and biorhythms of you know kind of getting triggered by like you know so and so is like bragging or all these kind of things these are the kind of narratives we think about around social media you know thinking about like oh you know it's always about the the you know we see the highlights of people's life rather than you know the the nitty gritties of their process, but um, yeah. yeah. For me, Facebook, uh, uh, the main thing that bothered me is the misinformation. Yeah. And uh, on uh, Instagram, it was kind of a different thing. I saw so I followed a lot of pro skaters and a lot of my skate friends, and I would just see a bombardment of skateboard videos. And I'm, I'm an intermediate level skater. I'm not that I'm not that great, but. Anyways, it, seemed, it sort of desensitized me to what was good and bad with that. So, um, yeah, so I think it is kind of a sense of kind of comparing yourself to others and some really unhealthy um, attributes in people. Yeah, so let's talk about skateboarding. Um, you know, that's a big community that has a lot of um, video stuff. They do a lot of videos and all this kind of thing. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that growing up. Let's focus in on that and... And how yeah. it's kind of brought to you. Well, uh, in 1988, that's when I started skateboarding. And I moved to a, a new neighborhood. And, um, you know, like a, a week later, I was watching one of the public domain by Powell Peralta. That's one of the famous older skate videos. And I just liked it right away. And, um, and probably I moved to Ohio in 1992. And, um, yeah, I got kind of decent at the flip stuff and the some of the technical stuff but i wasn't consistent so i was never consistent enough to be sponsored but i enjoyed it and in 1994 when i had my first mental episode um i went from weighing 130 
in summer 94 and then two months later I weighed 200 so like I had a lot of weight gain and um, a lot of meds and to be honest I haven't really skated as well as since that happened and a, a little bit later like when I was you know 19 20 to mid 20s I skated decently but um, I'd never been able to get up to where I was when I was 17 as far as skill level but um, it's, I just enjoyed it. It's, uh, the good thing about skateboarding is if you go to a skate park or a skate spot and you start skating and you're trying, people appreciate it, but no one asks you what you do. It's not like there's no, what matters is the moment of your skating. So I think like a lot of skaters live in the moment more than anyone else I've seen. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely you have like, uh, there's also seems to be a, uh, kind of, um, you know, all these different, in your writing at least, kind of romanticization of this kind of culture. And I think you're kind of getting into the different aspect. You have an adventure story about skateboarding and kind of going into the, the different subcultures and kind of going to it in a different context. So you have like a reframing of it. Um, so, and, you know, kind of looking at it in a way through the, like from one of your, some of the reading I've done in your writing is looking at the way of, through ambition, you know, kind of looking at like, you know, I'm being ambitious to, try new tricks and kind of driving yourself um, to kind of uh, uh, be more, you know, to push yourself, you know, push your limits. Yeah, and I think it's it's uh, also builds confidence and stuff like that because, you know, to continue to fall and get buck up and the repetition and the, it, it's, you know, difficult to, to do it well. So it takes a lot of time. and But I think it does help with other things like, you know, I'm, I'm a librarian and um, I think it's helped with customer service throughout my years. And, you know, so it's, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting time now because it was going to be in the 2020 Olympics. And when they have the Olympics again, they'll be in there for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of women are getting into it. There, there's, you know, it's, it's just really promising uh, time right now. So I'm getting older and, like, I'm, I don't jump as high as I used to. And I, but I still... I still want to be part of it. I still want to do it. It's been the last three weeks I haven't skated, but when it gets, when the weather gets better, I will skate. And um, some things are a little nerve wracking, like, you know, go to the park with the, during the pandemic and not many people are wearing masks and stuff like that, but you can kind of keep your distance. And I do, when I'm at the parks now, I do wear my mask. Yeah. yeah. And also I'd be curious, like, uh, as far as like literature and like uh, um, the, pioneering books in your life, kind of connecting the two, because your writing has a lot to do with skateboarding. Have you read any skateboarding novels, or have you read any, like... Um, uh... Yeah, there, there are a few. There's, um, Michael Christie has, uh, uh, what, what's it called? It's, uh, If I Fall, If I Die, and that's kind of a literary novel, and there's, there's a little bit of skating, and one that, it's like a teenager that skates. Um, there's Brett Anthony Johnson that has, um... I forgot got his name, but there's some self-published yeah. ones there's, that I've read too. There's um, there's um, yeah, there 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 there's there's a few self-published, but it's, it's um, there's a new one out now by a, a pro skater uh, called Walker Ryan, and it's um, it, it's called On Mason Hill. That's kind of based on San Francisco. I haven't read it yet, so um, yeah, so there is an interest in it. I think that um that interest will grow. Um, yeah, do you want yeah. me to talk about some of my other books? That, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about some of the other books that were pretty pivotal in your life, yeah. Okay. Um, 
as a kid, I, I didn't read much, but I, my parents, they had a lot of paperbacks in the house, and um, Robert B. Parker, uh, he, he's, I, I think I kind of got interested in reading from reading his paperbacks. Mm. Um, and I, I reread uh, The Judas Ghost recently. It's pretty good, and he really is kind of a master of dialogue and suspense, and um, he's good. And in college, um, I read a textbook. There's an expert of a excerpt of Louise Erdrich's um, book on tracks, and it's a Native American folklore. And the 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 expert was really kind of interesting. It's kind of like it's almost felt like it's trippy reading it, but it was um, you know that kind of made me decide to become an English major in undergrad. And yeah. and that was thing. And then then later in college, I read. Fitzgerald, and then Tinders and Night, the book he wrote in the 30s, it's not as popular as The Great Gatsby. Um, it's a really good book. So that was kind of an impactful book for me. And then in grad school, in a little bit later, I started reading Henry Miller. I started with Tropic of Cancer, then I read that trilogy, which is Black Spring and Tropic of Camacorn. And a few years ago, I read um, his Rosie Fiction, Rosie Cruz Affection trilogy, which is Sexist, Nexus, Plexus, and um, those are, are really good. I guess there, there is bigotry in there, you know, masochism or uh, misogyny, anti-Semitic, racist stuff in there. But there, there's also really these long passages of philosophy and, you know, of course, sex. And it's, um, it's definitely influential on me where I think with my creative writing, I'm going to take my, my creative nonfiction this year I'm going to write, and then I'm going to try to really take my time with the scenes and just, you know, make them kind of more literary. So he was a big influence. Um, also, I think my favorite contemporary author is Hiroko Murakami. So I think I do kind of relate more to literature and books from the men's perspe man's perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely Murakami is like, he gets in the dreamlike world of the psyche, the male psyche, and like uh, goes into like, magical realism he goes into all these different aspects of kind of the identity formation and i think he's really great i read a bunch of his books as well and he's really great to like um explore um you know kind of especially in kafka on the shore and wind up or chronicle kind of those dreamlike narratives um, yeah if, if you can take have the time for it 1q84 and killing commodore those are huge books but there's so much in there and uh, if you read Killing Commodore, there's so much music and literature references. Maybe just have like a pen or, or notes on your phone to, to, to keep, you know, to, to kind of write down some of the suggestions in it, you know? Yeah, and also thinking about music, it's like, um, you know, music has also been a big influence on you as well. It's, for so many of us, you know, listening to music has been kind of the ebbs and flows of our mental wellness, kind of like music can be very healing in a way that, you know, like listening to music at a certain time in your life can be to set off all these memories and, and all these like um, emotional triggers, especially when you're younger, you're kind of growing up in a scene and you have to kind of um, uh, kind of listening to music at specific times in your life. So to, let's go a little bit into music and go a little bit into like where are some of the pivotal artists or pivotal uh, music, music, new songs? Um, sure. I, I, as a kid, I always listen to the radio and um, later MTV, and I would always, if I liked something, I'd try to get the cassette and then layer the CD. Um, I guess uh, we're talking about mental health. I guess, uh, 
you know the, the Verve song, um, Bittersweet Symphony? You've heard that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the first time I heard that was 1997. I was on my third episode. I was with my parents, and um, my parents have a, a sizable house, but I was in the TV room, which is my sister at the time was in the room that's like a like on the same floor, but pretty far away. And I, I heard that on 120 minutes late at night. I just cranked it up. I just wanted it. I was like, what is this? It sounds so good. And then, <laughs> then it worried my sister so much. She thought like, I, I don't know, she thought maybe I harmed myself because it was like so loud and so eerie yeah. and so, so different. And then, yeah, like a few days later, still kind of in an episode, we went to a mall and we, we I got the CD. Yeah. And, um, and uh, later, I guess, uh, also in Ohio, like around 2000 after I graduated, I went on a lot of road trips up to Detroit to see music. And um, there I saw Stereo Lab, not for the first time, but um, they're a good band. Um, I saw them recently and they, they kind of, I didn't like them as much as I used to, but um, they, they played a good set, but the person, the people that opened for them were the White Stripes. And it was just two people on a core keyboard and the person I was with, we didn't like them at all, but then a month later, they they got really popular. Um, also in Detroit, I saw the Doves, which is a Britpop band, and um, My Morning Jacket opened up for them. And um, the person I was with, like we were seeing upstairs, not near the stage, was like, let's give them one chord to see if we're going to, you know, watch them or not. And they they just started, and we just immediately went to to watch them play. So they. They're a good band. They actually got pretty famous after that. Um, yeah, but I, I always like music. I, I've seen Toots and the Maytals twice, and he passed away last fall, like um, or last spring. And I saw them in, in fall, so I'm really glad I went to that show. I went by myself. It was in New York, and it's always good to go to concerts with people because between the sets or waiting in line. It's good to have someone talk to, but if you really want to see someone, don't be afraid to go by yourself. Yeah. Um, also, thinking about like how yeah, yeah, thinking about like going to concerts, going to, it's a very communal experience. And unfortunately, now it seems like we're on pause with that. But you know, I mean, like yeah. I was, I was like, uh, I was like to look forward to place time when we can a couple years from now we can go back to these like big, big concerts and all. That'd be great. And yeah. um, the music itself is important. Yeah, I saw them a couple of years ago. The Peshmo, they put on a really good show. And Smashing Pumpkins, you went to that show, yeah, right? I did. I it was did. Contagious, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing about mental health, my 2016 episode, which um, I'll just explain briefly how that came about. I just got sick, and then I was seeing my parents, and I spent 12 days in the hospital in September 2016. and nine days in the hospital in October 2016. And I didn't really get better until after the 2016 election. And then I basically had like a week's time where I got signed to come back home and come back to work. So it was like a three, four month manic episode. But I was obsessed with music then. I, I kind of, I listened to my iPhones a lot. I remember walking around my neighborhood and, um, you know, I felt like the, the the stuff I was listening to was like kind of like the soundtrack to it. And um, yeah, and a lot of the YouTube stuff, I got a lot of, I must have listened to hours of the YouTube app, but yeah. that, that way I got algorithms and I 
heard a lot of stuff I never heard before. And um, yeah, and the, 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 the hospital on the psychiatric ward I was on, they had this thing where they had CDs where they would play and you could put them on in your room. And um, I just had a lot of, um, I listened to a lot of music that fall when it was not, not that well. Yeah, so the, just to remind listeners, this is the, the Truth to Power show. We're in the Pollock dinner slot. We're uh, usually airing at Mondays at 8 a.m., uh, early morning on Mondays at 8 a.m., and uh, we rebroadcast right now on Thursdays at 9 a.m., but this episode is a special episode, so hopefully we'll be able to rebroadcast it in the Monday morning slot when sometime in the future. But right now we're with writer uh, Colt Mallison. Uh, we're talking a little bit about his journey as a writer, journey as a person, and journey into writing and around writing, uh, his projects, uh, emerging projects on his uh, memoir, uh, fictionalized memoir and uh, adventure story involving skateboarding. Uh, so, yeah, so we have a lot of different things going on here. But, uh, you know, we're talking a little bit about kind of the obsessions of, you know, kind of what themes and returning to themes and such to our initial question about themes and, and uh, uh, motifs or images that recur in your writing. You know, kind of thinking about like um, what, uh, what thoughts, if there's any specific thought, I was just processing like memories you said, processing specific memories, and we went over kind of thinking about, um, you know, mental wellness as being a markers in the life. But, um, it, you know, what is, the, what is the first memory you have? Do you remember, what is the first memory that you, that you can think of? Um, Do you have any, like, childhood I, memories that you remember? I have a little bit. We moved from, like, New Mexico to, to Maryland when I was seven or eight. I was pretty young, so I don't actually remember um that much from from uh new mexico but I, I do have some childhood memories like i remember um we were um we were we went to uh disneyland in in, in california and then i don't know i just remember being in downtown san diego or something and we just saw this like at a street we saw this biker that was kind of in full biker gear and it just seems as something that image like around the buildings and the street it kind of it's, it, I, I don't know why but somehow I remember that image and um there there are things from Albuquerque like you know playing with my sisters and I got pushed off the monkey bars and like had a you know face and like I I had some things like I uh yeah I, I, I had some childhood memories I, I yeah, yeah. one time I um I wanted to be like Superman so I uh that there was a babysitter there and I kind of went to the bathroom and I had my Superman cape, my underoos and everything. And I found black electrical tape and I wanted to be like Superman's here. So I tape, put the tape all over my head and even made the swirly crew of Superman. Oh. And, um, and apparently they had to pull it off and it, it, that's like the worst type of tape for that. Cause it sticks, you know? Yeah. So, it's, um, and yeah, so a lot of, yeah, I don't, as far as my first memory, I, I can't, I don't really know. Yeah, I remember I used to like uh, He-Man, the Avengers <laughs> of He-Man, Master of the Universe. And uh, going home, I would uh, put a straw on the back of my neck, you know, in the collar. So then mm-hmm. I would pull out the sword, just like he did in the, in the show, and say, uh, you know, like he would pull it out from his back um, and pull it out and hold it up. And then he would say, like, uh, it was the... Um, 
it was like, I forget the name of the sword, but anyway, he was like Excalibur. He was no, no, he no, no. didn't have Excalibur. That was King Arthur. No. No, I, uh, I forgot. Okay. Yeah, the, I know. I forget the name. I know the sword had a name, but it definitely like um, yeah, the Gray Skull. I had the power. He would say, "I have the power," um, and then he would say, um, "You know, by the power invested me of the Kingdom Gray Skull," you know, kind of a thing. So that was very, it was very interesting to like think about like how He Man, the idea of He Man, how he had that double, it's similar to uh, Superman because he had the double identity as well. He mm-hmm. had uh, He Man had was like appearing in a as a regular guy, and then he became He Man, which is like his alternate identity. Yeah, I remember He-Man too. I was a fan of that, like Skeletor, yeah. the whole, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And then it's amazing how Thundercats doesn't hold up as well. I don't think I watched yeah. Thundercats years later. Did you ever watch Thundercats? Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't remember. I don't think. You so. Remember now? Yeah, that was another show that came out in the eighties. That was pretty uh, pretty pivotal for me. Uh, mm. Thundercats is pretty good. So, uh, but Superman, you were watching like the was it a, was it a cartoon? Uh, probably because I, yeah. I was probably six or seven. So, oh, yeah. so I just I just wanted to I just wanted his hair, I guess. I don't know. Uh, like yeah. I that black That's hair with the, the curly crew. Uh, yeah. Maybe the first movie with um, Chris Reeves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I remember I went to a haircutter at like uh, this is like seventh grade or something. <laughs> I went to a haircutter asking like I brought a picture of Robin uh, that I got from a comic book. And I was like, can you make my hair look like this? It's like his, Robin's hair. He had like a cowlick or something that it was hard to imitate. But I remember saying like, uh, saying the hairdresser, I was like, try to get my hair look like the the image in, in Robin, you know? Yeah. So we have a lot of time left. So <laughs> we've gone through like most of our questions. But <laughs> we can revisit some of them. We can revisit some of them. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so thinking about blogging, that's something we did touch on. Uh, yeah. Blogging is, was a big thing in your life. And, uh, you know, thinking about like blogging as well. Like for, I've gone through like phases of blogging as well, where it's like you get really into blogging and then it's like nobody's reading it. What's the point? And that, that uh, balancing act between writing for an audience and writing for yourself is such a difficult line to follow. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think, uh, well, I kind of, well, I've had three blogs so far. And the, my new website, com, that's not really a full blog. That's more of an author site. So it's, a, it's like a static site. But I'm going to have a blog page on there where I'll do monthly updates. But I'm not going to try to write as much as a blog person writes. But I, I had three past blogs, and the first one was like 2008 or 2009 to 15. And I think it did help me make writing routine, and it helped in a lot of ways. Um, unfortunately, though, I think that writing quickly like that, sometimes I did have typos and maybe sort of fast, sloppy writing. And um, people are used to reading published things, and all published things have an editor or someone to, to proofread before it's posted. Like if you read something in a magazine, that's a professional proofread or edited. Um, so it is difficult to write a lot of content on a blog by yourself and um, you know make it clean copy. So I'm hoping on my website, I hope to have everything you know 
no typos and as clean as I can. But uh, there were some highlights. I guess uh, um, in 2013, I, I wrote a, I still have my blogs archived and I have them set to private. So this one, the, the, the one from 2008 to 2015, I could post it again if I wanted to. But I had an a, um, article on homophobia and skateboarding and that got a, some attention. I got like 200 views in one day, which was a, a lot for me. But um, I'm happy I wrote it and I, I'm glad that things have changed since then. And yeah, so I did get some things where I did get some attention through it, but mm. it's um, it kind of fizzled out by 2015. I guess I just uh, ran out of ideas. And then I, I touched on the, the second blog, with, which was from 2006 to 2017. And that was just created when I was kind of in my fourth episode. So it kind of was maybe rushed. And I would try things like I had like YouTube recommendation Wednesdays where I would embed a YouTube video every week, which that might have worked like 10 years ago. But um, it's not really, you know, no one cares what, what I watch on YouTube, you know. So it's uh, I had that. And I, I just had too many things on the right try three, four times a week. And um, also, I use Bluehost, which is, um, I guess on my first blog in 2014, I switched from WordPress.com to Bluehost, and that kind of was had some challenges, and it kind of faded after that. But Bluehost is good if you want a professional website, but maybe not so much for a personal blog. Um, and WordPress.com has its problems, too. But... Um, yeah, the, the, the second one I had was like 2016 to 2017. And then I kind of missed it, so I started a third one um, just all on Bluehost. Uh, no, 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 my third one was on um, WordPress.com. But, but yeah, that kind of lasted about a year, and I kind of, um, yeah, I just kind of decided to take it off. But this one, I this new website I'm having, it's just a static kind of to promote my my literary projects. You there, VJ? Hello? Okay. Um, not sure where VJ went. Is he there? Um, I guess I'll, I'll talk about blogging until VJ gets back. Um, yeah, I guess we, blogging is good to make it a regular routine, and it did serve its purpose for that. But it's, uh, you know, I, last, in the pandemic in 2020, I kind of wrote in a private journal, and I, I think that's, that was beneficial as well to help with my writing. Um, hello? Um, I guess until Vijay gets back, I'll read a, a poem that's on my, um, on my website. I wrote in 2008, and it's called Auditory Vision. Uh, soundtrack at all times on your old style headphones. 
not the new earplug iPod cataracts. The new earplug iPod cataracts track movements, monitor, and control. Controlling the chip in the frontal lobe. Connected to the eyesight, making your vision in line with their stamped thought patterns for death and consequence. But the old-style headphones bring the enlightenment of music to your life, stomping out the all-encompassing negative. Silence the enemy. Silence an auditory state. Let the armies of hate scream to you, ridicule, threaten, confuse, and manhandle you. Give them an inch, and they'll drag your mutilated body for miles. Crucify you like Jesus in the neon splinter of Times Square. Exile you, the underground labor myth, force an injection, overdose. Have the chip in the frontal lobe, pull the trigger for a believable suicide. This all starts when silent rings, distorts, deforms, to brutalize and control. Sound? Yeah, hi. You had some problems? Yeah, I'm going to switch over to Zoom. So I'm going to mute. We can switch over to Zoom from now on, okay? Okay, sure. Hold on. Okay. I'll mute on Zoom and then we'll talk. Okay. Hold on. Don't close out. Okay. 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 I I just, I just, uh, let me, I I think I just minimized it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Okay. So, um, you you had some technical? Keep reading. Yeah. yeah, I had some technical. Okay. Keep reading. Okay, should I start from the beginning or should I just, just keep going? Go? Keep going. Okay. Okay, so crucify you like Jesus in the neon splendor of Times Square. Exile you to the underknown revenue. Force an injection overdose. Have the chip in the frontal lobe pull the trigger for a believable suicide. This all starts when silence rings, distorts, deforms, to brutalize and control. Sounds brought to you by the old style headphones. Check for bugs, taps, and beam safe. Computer brings assortment of songs in the disregard of corporate hands and the law. They'll catch you, but until they catch you, until you're caught, the computer will bring the sound rating disease-free. The moment matters. For all the hours to be filled, the soundtrack needs to be ongoing with assortment. Selections matters. You are being judged. Judged by something higher. Pick songs for your whereabouts. In crowded urban scenarios, hip-hop amps, beats in time with marvelous wordplay, wordplay that knows all else, Fast poetry spoken fast, telling the harsh reality. People murder, con, destroyed, mistreated, and other struggles radiating life. Not the fake fairy tale pop highlighting happiness. In crowded streets with a stimulated frontal chip, hip hop is your guide to the movie scene unfolding in front of your eyes. People crossing the street, riot ready. Scenario pondering helps, keeps your guard. Scenic parks are the major part of the day, Central Park and others. For the nature setting to work, you need to go back to the revolution, scattering guitar riffs, drums back and forth, lyrics shouting out live. Thought through drugs and love, understand the complexity of dual worlds. In the park, you light a joint, turn on your iPod with the old style headphones, listen and observe. The runner with her dog, the couple sneakily drinking wine, the homeless playing chess, a plethora of cell phone talkers connecting to people who care. This is your relaxant for the day. And without the sanctuary, it'll be a nightmare of government cronies lurking behind the corner, death near. Sobriety ends at some point with drinks and the soundtrack shifts ready for all states of mind. Fast to match the dizziness of the head, observing the young people setting off for for their nights out. Electronica fits the bill, fits the pulse, makes you think of missed opportunity. When sleep doesn't come, jazz or classical fits. 
for long conversations with a positive voice as music does bring a peace of mind at certain points while silence brings a hate schizophrenia they call this but you know it's being in tune with the music and sound in general and in mind okay so that's that's on my my website coltmallison.com thank you thank you so um yeah yeah so tell us a little bit about the process of writing it it was about it was sort of like uh condition i think it was about other than it was about uh like listening to music or something like that or you see listen to feeling sound i think it was or what was it uh, uh, it's called auditory vision it's kind of it's kind of i noticed a lot of people with schizophrenia a lot of times they listen to headphones and a lot of you know you see a lot of people with the headphones on listening and um yeah so i think a lot of delusions and a lot of uh thoughts kind of for people that are mentally ill that they get get a lot out of music okay yeah, i'm still trying to figure out yeah go ahead so then um yeah sorry for this uh technical <laughs> snafu i'm, I'm, I'm i don't know no why problem. it's i don't know understand what's going on here with this oh. thing but uh, hopefully we'll work it out we have about 15 more minutes this is ready for brooklyn uh sorry for that uh confusion there um hopefully it's still going on okay um let's see okay so um yeah yeah so talking a little bit about um also about art and about how you process um yeah tell us a little bit more about the process and the process your creative process um i kind of i guess i i kind of when i have a project ongoing project i kind of try to set it off for one part of the day like usually when i get home from work or usually at night where i for my nonfiction creative project, I kind of set aside and I just sit in my journal and handwrite and I kind of write for about a half hour to 45 minutes. Uh, so that's kind of just get it out as fast as I can. And then, you know, eventually I'll have to type it up. Um, for the artwork, for the drawings, um, I kind of, I don't feel like I'm doing it well enough to be considered an artist, but I do enjoy it, but it's just kind of, when it comes to me, I, I try to write, draw it really fast. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of enjoying it. I kind of try to do, one, uh, since the pandemic, I've been trying to do one a day or so, but that just takes me 10, 15 minutes. It doesn't take much long. And um, for writing, most of the time, I try to write stuff out by hand and then type it. Um, so my second version of my, my, uh, my sci-fi novel or my dystopian novel, I wrote it in like the winter of 2015 and then it took me over a year to, to type it up. Cause I just, you know, that year, that 2015 to 16 lead up to my, my last episode, I was just too much of a stoner. I didn't have the concentration for, for writing. And um, I actually didn't read that much that year, the whole 2016, I, I pretty much didn't read anything. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. It's like how our, uh, also, it's like in, just in this specific instance, it's like how we process. We have to have faith. We have to have trust in the processes we set down. So I think, you know, for fortunate, we're fortunate to have had very supportive, you know, very, very, um, what's the word? Like uh, loving families mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of have, you know, given us that bedrock of support that we're able to get through these, um, 
you know, life's turbulence, if you will. Yeah. And, it's, you know, um, I think that's definitely something that we have to give credit for, for both of us. Because yeah. I think that uh, many people in this world don't have that kind of network of support that we've had. And I know we're both very fortunate to have had that, to have gone through these uh, mental health crises and, uh, and come out of it stronger, you know? Yeah, it's a, that's a, a major point because I, you know, I was 39 in 2016 and I, I was in the hospital, but the other times I was at my parents' house and yeah. um, they, they, they loved me, I loved them. And, you know, that's a, a major thing with mental health is, is medication, family network, and, and drugs. Those are, you know, avoiding those, you know, avoiding drugs and yeah, family yeah. network yeah. and, and, um, and medication. Those are the three things that people, healthy people have that, with this. So, yeah, um, these episodes, I, yeah. I think it's becoming more common or at least more accepted and talked about. Um, and I am optimistic that more people our age or younger that can get treated well and, you know, less, maybe have less homeless and stuff like that. Cause they, people can function with the meds and stuff. So, mm. um, I guess I've read a few books on mental illness and one is, uh, the quiet room by Laurie Scheller. And that, that was a firsthand account of, of schizophrenia and late in the book, she, she says, the you know, she feels mostly recovered except for with relationships and, um, I looked her up on Wikipedia and she was married after that book was published. So that, that's, that's yeah, good. That's very, but, uh, comforting. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I read that in college. I was like, Oh man, that, that, that rings true with me too. So it's like, yeah. cause that, you know, but it's, um, I think that I, I think now is a tough time because the pandemic people, a lot of people are laid off and having mental struggles, but maybe if this becomes more acceptive and more treatable, maybe the, the future is bright, you know? Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a calling, uh, calling for all of us to take care of ourselves, self-care, yeah. to take care of our community, you know, to make sure that you acknowledge that, you know, we're here because of the love and support of our friends and our family. And, you know, we're kind of listening. And for those who don't have it, um, we're kind of there to support them and support uh, our community so that then we can kind of, you know, extend, uh, you can uh, leverage our privilege to, help people you know i think it's very important to end up with in the ways we can in any way there's, we can yeah there's also essays or sort of a memoir piece of uh, the collective schizophrenia is by esma wang yeah that came out a few years ago that, that was pretty good so oh um, good good yeah yeah tell us a little bit about that what was your experience reading that um i read her her experience is different than mine um but it's it was worth reading i, I read it a few years ago but i just oh, wanted okay, to mention yeah. it that it's definitely so, one to, to read we're starting to wind down. It's uh, about like 10 more, nine more minutes left. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll play a song at the end so we can talk a little bit more about music. Um, but this is Radio for Brooklyn. Radio for Brooklyn is a 501c nonprofit organization. You know, we're kind of here to the purpose of this organization is really to support community voices and, uh, you know, kind of promote media literacy. So that's our mission. You can look at our more of our mission at radioforbrooklyn.org. Um, and if you'd like to support us, support this show, support all the shows that are going on here, go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate, make a monthly donation or a one-time pledge, or a pl monthly pledge or a one-time donation, rather. Um, and uh, what do you call it? Um, 
Also, City Running Tours, one of our sponsors. So go to Instagram.com slash City Running Tours. And every Saturday at 10 a.m., they have like a live tour of neighborhoods around New York City. You can go to cityrunningtours.com slash New York City to find out some, um, you know, kind of guided tours of, of New York City neighborhoods. Um, then if you're listening to this uh, episode on a computer, free yourself up by listening to it on the apps on iPhone or Android. Um, you know, just search in the Google Play Store, or iPhone Store, Apple Store, and you can find Ready for Brooklyn uh, app. And then, um, yeah, that's about all my announcements. Um, where can we follow you? Uh, tell us a little bit about your website. Again, your website address. Okay, the, the, the website is coltmallison.com. That's C-O-L-T-M-A-L-L-I-S-O-N. And it's, it's also the same on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. C-O-L-T-M-A-L-L-I-S-O-N. Yeah, great, great. So, so I have uh, 12 followers on Facebook <laughs> and none on Twitter yeah. and, and 18 on Instagram. So it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah, definitely emerging. So we're, we're people like, uh, a writer to watch. So <laughs> I hope that people will, will follow you on these platforms. Um, why don't we end with the song? Uh, let me pick one of the songs. You want to pick one of the songs that, and you can talk a, little, talk a little bit about the influence on you. You had like 10 songs there, um, uh, mm. kind of, yeah, good feeling was also interesting. That's kind of like a poppy song, but like Boys yeah. Life, I think it might be. Yeah, good let's thing do, do a Boys Life because that's a nice, nice song, and it came yeah. out when uh, I, I learned about it, like in the middle of my 2016 episode. So it's uh, it definitely seemed more powerful then. All right, cool, cool. So we yeah. pick Boys Life. We'll have like a minute to talk. To okay. End. Yeah. Then it is a five minute song. So. Okay. Uh, oh, we'll okay. Um, yeah. So we how about, how about the Pixie song on uh, number 13? I think that's a little shorter. 352. No, we have, we have like six minutes left. Okay. Okay. So we have like sure. one more minute. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I'll just let it play and then we'll play this out. All right. So okay, thanks sure. so much for every Monday at 8 a.m. Uh, is truth to power show on radio for Brooklyn. And you can look up our older episodes at uh, radio for Brooklyn.com slash truth to power. I'll probably have like a listener's guide at some point in the near future, kind of like um, giving uh, a sense of the different episodes. I'm going to um, organize the episodes in a way that makes it a little easier to navigate because we have over 150 episodes on the on the docket. So it'd be good to like if you have special interests, you'll know where to look for your special interests. All right. So play Boy's Life by um, Small Black, I believe. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right, thank you guys. Least in your mind.